Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It is the third of four that we're doing in a 10-day window. It's the penultimate pod of the calendar year that is 2020. I'm your host, Connor Clancy, joined as ever by Kev Pugzelski. Kev, we're not alone this week. Are you happy or a bit disappointed by that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm always happy to see Vito. Plus, um, I don't think we want to see just each other, do we, too often? We were you not happy to just spend a bit of time with me during the week? Oh, it was lovely, but, you know, I'd like Doesn't to hear Vito's lovely. voice. Um, no. a, a little of something good is good for you, I think. <laughs> Speaking of um, good for you, things which are good for you, have you had a shave? I have had a shave, yes. I'm disappointed. No, it's uh, it's part of a works over for the festive period. Feel fresh. Clean, because <laughs> in lockdown I don't Should always shower. <laughs> I think most people will do the opposite. No, be scruffy for the off period and shave for work. Well, you you know very well that I did during the longer lockdown that we had here in the uh, mm. in the UK, and um, yeah, I'll try a different approach this time. Well, look, you've spoken for a minute and a half. And we've not even introduced the guests that we were so happy to welcome back, Vito Doria. We missed you in midweek. It's good to see you again. <laughs> It's good to see you guys too, especially since last week my camera was dodgy, so you couldn't oh. see me. But yeah, glad to be back. I listened to you guys when I was doing my new shift over the weekend or Friday night your time. So yeah, glad to be back on again. Now you're absolutely right. So we've not actually seen you for, is it two weeks? Ten days? Two weeks, I guess. Well, yeah, about it is two nice weeks, to... yeah. Oh, well, it is good to see your face moving as you speak again. You've made up for last week with the shirt, have you? Again, yes. Yeah. So last week, um, people only saw me with photos posted on Twitter, 
and this time I'm actually wearing it again. So although we don't record this over YouTube anymore, at least you guys can see me wearing it. Yeah, it's a nice touch. It's a nice touch. Anyway, because we've got a bit of football to talk about, and I don't know about you, but I'm certainly of the opinion that I'd like to make this quite quick because we've another podcast to do in about two days' time, having done one two days ago and then a few days before that. So let's dive straight in with where this weekend's action finished, which was round 13. It finished with a big and comprehensive, might I say, Kev, win for Lazio. They beat Napoli 2-0 at the Stadio Olimpico. And looked quite good. Yeah, Lazio started uh, really well. I mean, we mentioned on Thursday that the concerns because of their poor home record this season, but picking up their second win of the campaign at the Olympico. Um, for everything that uh, Lazio did positively, they, they just showed signs where they sort of went back into their shell and nearly kind of allowed Napoli to, to come back into the game. But Unlike when Napoli lost to Inter uh, midweek, where they were wasteful in front of goal, they just, without Mertens and Insigne, looked um, a little sort of off the pace, a little bit too pedestrian in their build-up work. Had a fair bit of the ball in the second half, but Lazio rode out that minor storm and uh, Rainer looked solid in goal and um, get some sort of three points outside of the top four now. So I think they can be quite happy with where they're going to be considering where they started the season. I mean, given that Lazio lost, um, not last time out, but the, the last time out at home, 2-1 to Verona, and then they drew away at Benevento, you could understand those um, slight evidence, that slight evidence of nerves creeping in maybe, Kev? Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's not even just those those last two games. You know, they've been, they've been poor this season at, at home. Um, and a, a real contrast to, to the consistency that they had Last season, they've kind of gone right down the other end of the spectrum with being a bit up and down. But uh, yeah, I think with how strange the year's been or the start of the season's been, um, to be within sort of punching distance of the top four, hopefully as well, once they finish um, this side of the festive period midweek, they'll be quite happy. Obviously, they've got another huge game midweek against Milan. Yeah, that's going to be quite an interesting one as well. We might have the chance to look forward to that a little bit at the end, but I, I wouldn't expect that we will, to be perfectly frank with you. But Vito, a 2-0 win over Napoli, who have now lost two on the bounce in Serie A, having impressed so, so much throughout much of the season. Should Gennaro Gattuso be concerned about this, or is it just a case of maybe fatigue taking its toll and they're just looking to get to Christmas and have a couple of days off and come back recharged in January? I do think it's part of the latter that they should um, not take too much to heart and also take into consideration that they've had a rather crammed schedule due to both Serie A and the Europa League. But uh, to lose against two, let's say, big opponents, I think that should be a concern to Gattuso as well. Um, if uh, Napoli are to stay within the fight for the Champions League spots or even be an outside chance for the Serie A title, um, uh, they have to try and win these kind of games even if they are on the road. Uh, if you can beat uh, your rivals for the European spots, it's a... Uh, big bonus and also I think it just boosts your credentials so 
Um, even if these losses aren't uh, good at all, um, we'd like to think that uh, when they do face each other in the reverse fixtures later in the season, and they're playing at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, that they can win these kind of games, and uh, that would still be a good way to redeem themselves. Vito, from either side, I don't really mind how you take this. What would be your big takeaway from this game? Because both sides were missing players. Acerbi notably had to pull out after the warm-up or during the warm-up because of an injury. Um, seemed to be a re-aggravation of something that was already there. So what do you think the big talking point is after this game? Ooh. Well, look, I suppose that, you know, I think if we're going to look at it this way... Probably with 2020 as a calendar year being bizarre and unique in its own way, I just think it's one of those cases that anyone on any given day can get a result because both teams, you'd expect them to fight for Europe. Even if it's uh, not the Champions League, uh, the Europa League should be a minimum requirement for those two clubs. Lazio managed to have the home advantage and they certainly made the most of it. Must be said though that in uh, yeah probably in some circumstances when you're in the wayside it's probably just that cliche to not be as aggressive or as proactive as you would on your home soil. So um, in this case, uh, Lazio made the most of the home advantage even though there wasn't a crowd there, but uh, they were the home side and they got a much needed victory. In the other big game on Sunday evening, Atalanta hosted. Roma looking to to end 2020 in Bergamo on a high after what has been a horrid year for the city. And it didn't look like it was going to happen because after three minutes, Ed and Dzeko put the Giallorossi ahead. But Kev, Atalanta showed signs of their former selves in the second half once Josip Ilicic was introduced. And Ladeo won 4-1. Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't looking good. I saw your. Uh, I saw your tweet, but it was just terrible defending at the start. Well, I don't they, know which tweet you're talking about, Kev. Um, but they they clicked into to gear quick enough. Um, it was you know I, I was quite impressed with them actually given what they've done um, at the start of the season. I know there is some historical context there with them being slow starters, but uh, mm. about twenty minutes in, I sort of jotted down on my notepad. Um, can Connor run those numbers again because at some point you get to say 10 games when they started picking up you know wins mm. and I'm thinking well we're on week 13 if they lose this then I wonder how those those numbers look at that point of the season and actually if they're if the trend is is taking a bit of a dip but um like you say Illich's influence the um I, I don't think the, the the British broadcasters gave it gave, gave the pass for Zapata the, mm. um, the praise it should have got because it was the way he kind of disguised the pass but also put the perfect weight on it for Zapata to hit it first time and with such you know great power and then you've got that lovely off of the crossbar and back up into the roof of the net which uh, you know just makes the goal look much more aesthetic. that's the pleasing. best type of goal isn't it I don't know we've, we've had this discussion about I like the one that curls <laughs> into the corner and then rolls around on the net Mm. Um, you know that's a particular favourite of mine uh, and then his sort of little jinking run through the Roma defence to then again probably wrong foot the goalkeeper because he probably puts it in the corner you you would not necessarily think he's going to go to the keeper's near side or the, you know his mm. near side and, and keep it low you're kind of expecting him to bend that towards the top corner on the goalkeeper's right um, no, I think you're right to talk about the little details particularly because both of the touches were 
immediate, right? Because Ilicic's pass was first time, so no, the defender didn't expect it. And then Zapata took it on almost before the ball was actually in front of him. So mm. Mirante will be right in thinking that he's he's not going to dig a shot out until it gets in front of him. But it was a phenomenal, phenomenal finish. Um, and quite good. I think that's his first goal in 12, maybe. And given his importance to that Atlanta team, it's it's no surprise that if he's suffering, they suffer as a result. But uh, the super sub, Luis Muriel, also came off the bench, Fito. And I mean, he is getting into the habit of taking it around goalkeepers. He obviously did it against Ajax and is becoming addicted because, I mean, he made a show of Mirante on that one. Mm. Well, I think that type of goal seems to be a lot of starts in the modern games. So mm. I'm really glad that Muriel went down that path and decided to do it. Uh, I like those type of goals very much. And yeah, I'm just glad that he's done it. And I really hope that he does it again in the near future or other players do it because, uh, you know, the world has become obsessed with Tiki Taka in the last decade and passing the ball into the net. To me, look, as much as I love attacking football, uh, passing the ball into the net is predictable in its own way and can be a bit boring. I love variation. And I think that's what makes uh, football beautiful. When you can mix things up, learn different tricks or learn different ways of how to execute your attacks, uh, that's what makes football beautiful in my view and uh, goals like that are really pleasing on the eye it was a lovely feint as he approached Moranti because mm. you thought he was going to do that sort of slide pass that he always does and it was just that little sort of shake of the knee that sort of sent the goalkeeper onto his ass, and then around he went it was lovely because usually when they feint the shot they don't touch the ball but Muriel did actually kick the ball just to the side it was one of the most beautiful feint shots I think I can remember and Vito's exactly right, you know, because I think the last striker who was genuinely great at rounding a goalkeeper was Ronaldo, obviously Ronaldo Nazario. Um, Fernando Torres was quite good at it, but not at the same level. So it is quite nice when you, when you see players doing it, because I do agree with Vito that it is something of a lost art. Kev, Ilicic come on and Atalanta looked immediately better. They... Quite clearly missed Papu Gomez in the first half, so it can't be coincidental that with Malinowski and Pasina there, they're lacking a bit of ingenuity, a little bit of creativity, and as soon as Ilicic come on, he offered them that. Is this a sign of what we're going to be watching Atalanta do in the future with, with just Ilicic pl- pulling those creative strings? Yeah, possibly, and even long-term, trying to find... A, uh, a replacement, you know, not not only because of the issues around Gomez at the moment, but because of the age of the two of them. Because when you've got a when you've got a setup like Atalanta's under Gasparini that is so well drilled and function is so, functions so well, but it functions with uh, a creative player or two, you know, understanding their roles, but doing those little bits that make you that little bit more prolific uh, creation wise, if not you know goal scoring wise. Um, and you just notice when it's not there at the moment. Um, for Kev, Roma, sorry to cut you off. Uh, Roma looked shot after an hour, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Atalanta really came into it when Roma looked almost dead on their feet. Again, we're just going to have to chalk this down to fatigue from fixture congestion? Yeah, I, I think so. We'll, we'll see a little bit more of this midweek. Um, you know, you said an hour. I thought it was about half an hour. They looked like they were... <laughs> So sort of just dropping that back a little deeper, knowing how close they were to half time and thinking, let's go in, kind of regroup, 
Um, but but yeah, they they look like they want their Christmas break. Yeah, very much so. And as I mean, I said to Alistair McKenzie, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it's not important. Someone just picked up a fifth booking in five games, having never been booked before that to to clock off early for Christmas. And I just thought that was quite nice earlier on in the day in in my home region, I suppose, in Emilia-Romagna. Milan came to town. They played Sassuolo and they were 1-0 up within six seconds. I haven't misspoken there. AC Milan scored a goal after six seconds obviously that is the fastest goal in Serie A history bonus points for the quiz not really bonus points but can any of you tell me who scored the previous fastest goal I can tell you the club in year if you want yeah that would help uh December 2001 for Piacenza (laughs) oh god all right okay over to Vito Vito's looking at Opto Paolo right now I bet you Oh, look, just to show I'm not cheating. So, December 2001. Um, was it Dario Hupner? It wasn't. I mean, it's a good guess. It was Paolo Poggi, who oh, I must confess. <laughs> I must confess. I had to Wikipedia him when I saw that. But yeah, the previous record was eight seconds. Rafael Leao got one after six. Vito, they basically started with a goal advantage. Oh, they did, and when I—I've only just seen the highlights of this one, but when I saw that, I thought Zdenek Zeman would have been proud of that kickoff. <laughs> I reckon he would have had a tear in his eye because it reminds me of his style of kickoffs. But uh, I don't think many of his teams would have had that sort of success right from a kickoff. So uh, it was incredible for Milan to start off the way they did with Chapanoglu, who actually scored. One of the fastest goals, if not the fastest goal in German Bundesliga history, my add. And then Leal to take that finish was a quality finish too. So mm. unbelievable stuff. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what it re- I'll tell you what it reminded me, Vito. It was for, I think I probably picked up a, a computer console after about ten years to play my nephew, never, you know, playing FIFA or something. And from kickoff he just runs past my men and goes and scores. <laughs> <laughs> Am I watching real life or am I watching am I watching a console? It was it was bizarre. PlayStation Six football. seconds though. Six seconds. That's mad. Like I know it's a record, so obviously it's unprecedented, but six seconds just seems a bit too quick. I think with some of that as well, you'd expect somebody to make the foul because it's one of those you're unlikely to get booked for mm. it. You know, so whether it's Liao, whether it's Chalonogu, possibly Liao was too close to the penalty area when after Chalonogu released the ball. But you'd think somebody just just brings them down. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that, that that was also what caught the Sassuolo players off guard, kind of. I have to point out Andrea Consigli, who's usually a very, very competent goalkeeper for Sassuolo, and he's won them a fair few points. But he looked like he hadn't realised the game was happening. Yeah, it was quite remarkable. And then he just kind of looked around as if to say, does that does that count? Surely it doesn't count, but it did. And more importantly, Mr. Doria, Milan went on and they, they got another win. They are still unbeaten and they've come through a big test there against Asuolo after two poor results. Again, it was another uh, much-needed victory for the Rossoneri. And also with the City rivals Inter starting to get into a bit of form, even though performance-wise they haven't been great, they're still getting results. 
Uh, I think AC Milan definitely needed to get that win. And um, winning without Zlatan, who's going to be out until next year, um, it's important that they can show that they can win without him. And when he does return, um, they'll be playing with a lot more confidence. Kev, have you been won over to the argument now because you read an article that Milan aren't totally dependent on Zlatan? No, I, I still think it's um, it's very much the the team unity there. Um, I saw a stat again. If it's wrong, don't blame me. I saw it somewhere on Twitter that the average age of either the starting eleven or those that played today was twenty two for Milan. I think which which adds a little bit more um, positivity to the result because they've gone away to somewhere where historically they've had a few bad results, a few shocking results. Um, I'm thinking one didn't one end with Allegri being sacked. You know, that is some time ago. But on the back of those two draws that they had to go away to Sassuolo, a side so young, and to hit the ground running, really, because had uh, the Chanlogu goal not be ruled out for a very, very narrow offside, it could have been 3-0 within, I think it was at the first 20 minutes. But uh, they just they just went at them. But possibly just maybe a little bit of that youthful exuberance and lack of fear that they just thought, let's just go toe-to-toe because Sassuolo will create chances. They will see a, a lot of the ball. Um, and yeah, great performance. As Vito Doria has pointed out in the comments. Actually, do you know what, Vito, you can tell him. Okay. You did mention about that game which resulted in uh, Allegri getting sacked. And that was back in uh, 2014. And uh, for those who can remember, that's when we did our special favourite games podcasts uh, when the pandemic first broke out so yeah check it out if you haven't already or dig through the archives look through spotify it should still be there worth a listen it is worth a listen and that series is worth dipping into over christmas when there's no football for what about a week unfortunately it's a short break this year um anyway we're gonna have to talk about fetishes kev and not the type of fetishes that you want to talk about because i've just seen or re-seeing one of the tweets you sent me over the weekend using the word. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to bring it up in a different context, which is people fetishize Cristiano Ronaldo's jumps, even when he just jumps like a professional footballer. He scored what was, to his credit, a good header. Juve beat Parma 4-0 at the Tardini. I mean, no great surprise there. Dejan Kulusevski opened the scoring, of course he did, on his return to Emilia-Romagna. Cristiano scored twice, and then Alvaro Morata scored a header late on to seal it. Kev, am I alone and cynical in thinking that people are just obsessed with Cristiano's jumps because he's Cristiano Ronaldo? I think it's one of those uh, things where something happens once and it's so good, you know, that, that leap he had um, for the goal against Sam, wasn't it, I think? It was. It was against Sam. Uh, and then it sort of perpetuates this, this sort of need to go on and on. And next time they score a header when they're you know maybe a foot above their opponent. Don't get me. It was a great header. I thought actually, considering his his previous goals have largely been from the penalty spot, he took his second as well as a really nice mm-hmm. tidy finish on his left. Um, and the header was well placed. But yeah, it was it was no better than that. It's just people love now taking stills of any time he jumps for a header against somebody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what, what was most concerning about this was that the players didn't even jump. He, it was a free header. It's not like he was that high above a jumping player. He was genuinely unchallenged. So 
I just, it, it bothered me. It really bothered me because it wasn't that great. He has done some phenomenal things. And if we want to praise him, which we should, by the way, he, he scored his 31st and 32nd goals in a calendar year in Serie A, which puts him into the top five all-time tallies for goals in a calendar year. I know it's one of those weird made-up statistics that only exists because of Cristiano and Messi, but credit where it's due. Kev, you look like you want to speak. Well, I was just going to say, you also got to remember that if you if you look at the Morata goal as well, the Parma defenders didn't bother to jump for that one or Mark Morata. So there's also an element of the opposition that he was playing against. Um, uh, yeah, look, we're going to get onto that, okay? Trust me, we're going to get onto that. But they also decided to leave Dejan Kulusevski unmarked. They know how good he is. They saw it every day in training last season. And they just left him completely unmarked in his favourite part of the pitch. It Bizarre. But... This, right, so Liverani, he started the season with a 4-3-2-1. A that didn't work, so he went to a 5-3-2. Then got told to not do that anymore, so he played a 4-3-3. Then he went back to a 4-3-2-1 for this, and it was a disaster. But I, I said on Twitter, I think you might have engaged with it in some way, Mr. Doria, but Diversa got slated because he didn't have a plan B. Liverani doesn't even have a plan A. Yeah, well... Um, at least at Lecce, well, you could say his plan A was a four three one two, and then plan B was that three five two or five three two, and um, I think he tried to do that with Parma, but uh, his tactics in general haven't worked for most of the time. Uh, reverting to the four three three probably brought him a bit more in terms of sort of uh, credible performances, if not victories. But you could see that the players were a bit more comfortable. With that formation. Uh, uh, although I think Juve played very well, uh, the build-up play was impressive, and uh, I think uh, there weren't many players that had a bad game for Juve. Uh, Parma still deserved to be criticised, and especially Livarani. He reverted back to what he knew, and it didn't work for his players. And um, yeah, it was just a bizarre time to do that. Uh, I posted something on Twitter, and uh, with what Livarani has showed, I don't see much point in trying to back him. Uh, there are coaches that have their own formations or their own ways of setting up the team, their own philosophy, but Livarani to me hasn't really proved that he's really worthy of that. If I saw there was some potential in this part of my side, uh, I could say that, you know, uh, Kyle Kraus and Marcello Carli could go and find players to suit his 4-3-1-2, especially a proper trequatista, which he usually has in his teams. But um, with what he's done with the resources at his disposal, I don't think he really merits enough support. I think uh, yeah, if, um, if it wasn't for what we've been through this year with COVID and so forth, um, I'd probably think he'd be at the door soon. I, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think that he has been backed as well. I mean, they brought in a lot of players at the end of the transfer window. And fair enough, it was always going to take time. Kraus told me as much. He, he expected a bumpy couple of months to begin the season with. But there is there are no signs that things are improving. They, they got a couple of points and they went on that 
they they didn't lose for four games, so it looked good. But they drew three of them, and the win was against Genoa. You know, it's it's not like they were tearing teams up or looking good. They were dreadful, and I I do think that in any other year, Liverani would probably be out of a job by now. To be honest with you, um. But look, we'll move on. There will be plenty more opportunities to talk about Parma between now and the end of the season, particularly when I get back there in January. So look forward to that, listeners. I apologise in advance. Kev, Inter are into second. Well, they were already second, but you know what I mean. They've won six on the bounce now. They did just beat Spezia this time, I should say. But Akraf, Ashraf, I don't really know the pronunciation of his first name. We need to check that out got another goal, and Romelu Lukaku took Cristiano Ronaldo's mantle as being the penalty scorer because he got another. Um, straightforward enough, nothing really to, to report from this. No, I, I made another great decision this week to um, watch the first half of Sassuolo Milan and then switch at half-time to Inter Spezia. So, um, saw the goal almost as, uh, straight from the first half. But I, I just, I wonder, if, oh, oh, I wonder, I fear for anybody that chooses to watch Inter for the spectacle, really, because I kind of found myself thinking, "Oh, this could be a decent half," because they went they went in front quite early. But then, in almost, I hate to call it kind of true Conte fashion, they kind of just looked like they were happy then to dig in, and they probably didn't get the the second until oh, beyond the seventieth minute mark. Again, I'm trying to pull that out of my mind. That's um, not great at my age, lads, um, but. They're just they're just doing what needs to be done, but you know if you end up with a title, they're one point behind Milan. If they end up sort of snatching the title this season, why would you complain? And that's probably what Conte's because they shouldn't on. they shouldn't be playing like this. They Inter should not be playing like this. Inter historically or Inter with a bunch of second rate sort of fullbacks scattered around their squad. Uh, Inter with yeah. Christian Eriksen, Alexis Sanchez, Lautaro mm. Martinez, Romelu Lukaku. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That Inter. 
Yeah, I suppose it's. I was going to say not. It's, it's not that it's lopsided. It's it's quite a heavily weighted to the talent on paper, and and where where the connection is between what can be a relatively robust looking defence at times. If you drew up an eleven of Inter's players, it should be a team competing for the Champions League. Like, Barella is one of the best midfielders in Europe. Mm. Sensi, when fit, okay, big asterisk, is incredible as well. Nangolan can be fantastic. Eriksson speaks for himself. Lukaku is one of the best forwards in Europe. Lautaro was wanted by Barcelona. They just can't afford him. Alexis Sanchez, when he's bothered, is very good. They have a back three that could be the best back three in Europe in Bastoni, De Vrij, and Skriniar. Um... Handanovic, all right, he's dipping a bit, but he's still got it. Why are they playing like but, this? But it's those sort of players. It was Mar- um, Martinez where he he played the assist for, for the first goal. And then straight after that, every single time I was looking at the screen, it, he was kind of jumping into my kind of field of vision because he was snapping into tackles. And then there's somebody else snapping into tackles. But, you know, you expect them to be doing more than just holding their line. And almost looking like they're restricted by the the system they've been asked to play, or the you know the role they've been asked to play. Um, but it, but it's working. I know I know you want something a little bit more from those players, but I tell you, after however many years of uh, you know my side not winning a trophy, and I think Inter probably haven't won anything since the Super Cups that they swept up after the treble. Mm. Even if it's a Coppa Italia or a uh, well, nothing in Europe this year, but if it's a, if it's the Serie A total that they snap up playing like this, they will be ecstatic. And I suppose it's where you, it's, it's that line between us as neutrals and supporters but with what they want. I'm not so sure it is because it's working to an extent. They finish bottom of their Champions League group. They're not even top in a league that doesn't have an outstanding team. A league where Juventus have won as many games as they've drawn. This is not a good Serie A title race and Inter still aren't top despite them sacking off the Champions League, it seems. And if it works, it'll work for a year. And then Conte for the first three months of next season will be crying because they only sign players from Sassuolo and Cagliari despite someone coming in from Real Madrid via PSG, from Spurs, from Manchester United. He's insufferable and he is holding them back. Like, he just quite simply is holding them back. They'll, they'll win the league this year and Conte will be moaning in the summer and they'll get knocked out of the Champions League last 16 at the latest again next season and he'll be moaning again after that if he's still there. But for Inter's sake and for my sake, to be quite honest with you, I want them out. Just get Allegri in. You'll win the Scudetto for the next five years if Massimiliano Allegri goes in at Inter but can we not anymore because I don't think it's good for my health to be honest with you I can feel my heart rate it's already sound it no it doesn't my god I'm not supposed to give much opinions on here but someone presses the Conte button I just can't stop let's talk about something more positive Sampdoria beat Crotone 3-1 Vito I'll let you talk before I I bring in the inevitable yeah well let's yeah, just glad to get a victory, to be honest. I mean, you know, after going over a month uh, without a win, uh, Sampdoria managed to travel away to Verona, got the 2-1 victory there, and two lovely goals from that match. So 
I was really impressed with that. And then to get a winner at home. Okay, it was against Crotone, who are languishing at the bottom of the table. But uh, um, uh, it's important to still get these wins. And they, uh, a game like this is one that uh, Sump should be winning. So, um, yeah, just happy to obtain the result. And uh, if I had to talk about one individual, um, Jakub Bianco is probably having uh, his best year in Serie A so far. And that's where I reckon it helps when you have... Uh, a coach that plays in a way that suits your characteristics, and in Yanko's case, I think the four four two really suits him. I think that's really been beneficial for him individually. You spoke about an individual, and I think, look, you were right to, because you know where I'm going to go. I'm going to talk about an individual, and it's not him. He's 39 in January. Fabio Quagliarella played his 200th game for Sampdoria and scored his 90th goal in 200 appearances for Sampdoria. And if you remember back, before Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi took over football and ruined it for everybody else, um, <laughs> that was a very good, respectable record. But, Kev, it was also his sixth of the season. Why do you hate Fabio Quagliarella? I don't. I think Fabio's a, a lovely gentleman. You, t- um, you say he's rubbish. Uh, no, I, I didn't expect him <laughs> to get as many goals this year. Uh as we bet on, bet on, and again, I still forget what it was. But I, I knew that you know, as soon as I saw the goal, I knew something was coming on social media, and then there was going to be something coming on the pod. To be honest, <laughs> this fucking pandemic has gone on for so long. If I can travel and get to Palmer or get to live football again. And Qualiarella finishes with 21 goals or his cap on Cagliere, I will happily pay for dinner and beers. Because, well, uh, yeah. At the moment, he's played 12 games and scored six goals. So over the course of a Serie A season, I mean, he's, there's already one game that he didn't play, right? Because there's 13 rounds or are Sam due to play another game? Maybe they are. But anyway, give or take, he's on, he's on track give or take, to score um, 20 goals this season, Kev. Well, fair play to him. Fair play to him at that age. I wish I could still walk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I'll stop prodding you because we do have to move on. Verona and Fiorentina. I mean, Fiorentina just make every game they play in miserable now. It finished 1-1. They were both penalties. I was going to ask Vito about this, but Kev had quite a, a clear reaction when I mentioned these two teams' names, Kev, uh, it was that first penalty. I'll I'll be oh, I'll be no. brief. I'll be I'll be not? brief. It wasn't the six minutes necessarily that frustrated me. It was that they took so uh, that it even went to VAR. That that he hasn't even made. Uh, who was it? Bereka hasn't even made an attempt for the ball. He's tried to sort of rush back into defence, run through the player because he's trying to get to the other side of him rather than go where the ball is. The referee should have just given it. Should have just given it. There was no reason to complain. There was no reason for it to take six minutes of VAR. End of. I'll let Vito take over and talk about how terrible the game was. I uh, know, Vito. Genoa lost 2-0 to Benevento. You happy? Great success. I have a super people too. Yeah, look, Roberto Insigne scored an opener. It was quite a good goal, but helped by some calamitous defending from Genoa. Every time I watch them, I just feel so 
so sorry for Andrea Maziello because he's playing with a bunch of clowns at the back there. Um, and yeah, I feel terribly, terribly sorry for him. The last game of the round wasn't really the last game of the round, but it's the last one we're going to talk about. And it's the last one that we've not spoken about yet. So Cagliari Udonese on the island that finished 1-1. Two very nice goals in this one, Mr. Doria. Yeah, um, look, uh, yeah, well, when you have those players there, they can promote a bit of brilliance. So, you know, just with those kind of teams, you know, on the day, they got the moments. Kev, what's your take? Well, you know, I, I, I hate to pull up our host... Uh, I forgot again, didn't pod. I? You did, and you had the perfect in because you talked about clowns in the general defence and you had De Costa <laughs> healing the ball into his own net yeah. for, uh, for Bologna um, as Torino drew 1-1 with Bologna. <laughs> I had forgotten that quite deliberately, I think, because I had bigged that up in my own head that game and I thought, look, the lunch matches are usually dreadful, but this this just feels like it could be fun because it's two bad teams and sometimes that produces something fun both teams were playing their second goalkeepers one of them one of them produced right da costa produced for us he gave us something to laugh at it was great he even let someone who the score which is quite charitable of him but yeah it's a bad game i went to bed at half time a good idea i wish i had done the same but i woke up for it um not quite i was awake before the game don't judge me <laughs> um i think that's it anything else to say Nah, that's it. It's time for the game. You ready? Yes. Kind of. Right, listeners, I need you to do us a solid here, okay? Because we are obviously incompetent, which won't come as news to you, but there have been 12 rounds of fixtures already, which means there have been 11 games in theory because Vito missed the pod last week, so there should have been one every week. When we add up the scores, we can only get 10. So as it stands, the current scores are Vito 5, Kev 3, and I'm on 2 because the other two are idiots. But if if any of you are looking for something to kill time over Christmas, can you try and sort out the scores for us? Because otherwise, I feel like the only person going to be getting an extra point is Vito. So he, you're do, he's being unjustly treated here because of our incompetencies. But... We're going to head on with the game. The, the scores, as we think they are, are Vito 5, Kev 3, and me 2. But we'll see what happens. Um, Vito obviously won last time. No, because the last time was oh. uh, the Nicola Sansone one, and that was after the buzzer. Oh, so I won last time, but Vito yeah. won the time before? Yeah, I must have. Do you know I'm what? Sure, I'm yeah. going to just check. Vito, you've gone first loads recently. Kev, you can go first for this one <laughs> because we know what he's going to do, Vito, okay? So you're going to get a go pretty swiftly. But, um, but you know what I'll ask. Yeah, exactly. That's go why ahead. I'm just letting you get it out of the way. So, Kev, do you want to start, please? Okay. Is it Bruno Alves? It's not Bruno Alves. Vito. Okay, yeah. Is this player a foreigner? I forgot the timer. I forgot oh. the timer. I all forgot right, the time. Right. I've never not forgotten the timer. Mm. Um, oh. Start. Vito. <laughs> okay, is this player a foreigner? Yes. Okay, is this player from a club in the north of Italy? The player does play for a club in the north of Italy, yes. Okay, is this club from Lombardia? The club are not from Lombardia. Kev, it's over to you. Is it from a Milanese side? Kev, I'm going to just repeat the last club. 
or the last clue, the club are not from Lombardia, which includes Milan, Bergamo, and oh, okay, another one. There's my <laughs> there's my geography. There's my geography screwing up. Uh, <laughs> is it from Genoa? Are you talking about the club or the city? A club from Genoa. Sorry, it is from one of the clubs in Genoa. Yes, and is it from Samp? It's not from Sampdoria. No, the player does not play for Sampdoria. Okay, so foreign player. Okay, is this player a um, midfielder? We've just passed the halfway point in the game, and yes, Mr. Doria, the, the player is a midfielder. Okay. Oh, God, now I'm stumped. All right, uh, I'll just get... Is it Lassa Schoener? No, it is not Lassa Schoener. Kev, over to you. A foreign Lera- general midfielder. Is it Leraha? Leraja? Uh, I don't know who you're trying to say, but it's not him. Okay. Yeah. Vito, you've 30 seconds left. Ooh, okay. Um, damn, now. Damn. I, I'm going to be honest, right? I forgot Milan he played Bedell. here. It is, yeah. Oh, what a relief. It is. Stop. Uh, see, I thought he, t- he found his way back to Fiorentina again. Yeah, he did, but then that was from Lazio. Yeah. And now <laughs> oh, he's gone again. <laughs> uh, so the scores are Vito 6. Kev three, Connor two, with an asterisk beside every single one of those. Listeners, please help us out there. Um, might be a prize and a free if you do. Probably not, though. Unless you come to Italy. If you're in Italy, I'll buy you a beer. And if not, you will no be getting a prize. Kev, say goodbye. Uh, Wait, goodbye, no, when are we everyone. back? Mm. What day we're is back, it today? We're, we're back Wednesday after Rome, uh, Rome, La, uh, Lazio, Milan. Right, so today is Sunday. Evening. So Monday morning, this is out. So we're back on Thursday morning for the listeners, more than likely. It. I mean, check in the middle of the night because it usually comes out about three a.m. So, depending on where you are in the world, obviously three a.m. European time. Work it out for wherever you are. Vito, what's three a.m. Central European time for you? One. Yep, one. There you go. Australian people, check at around lunchtime. That's right. <laughs> There you go. All right, uh, Vito, say goodbye. Bye. Kev? Ciao, ciao, everybody. That's goodbye from me. There's only one song going at the end of this podcast, boys.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 